return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Uh, Say with me, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. So again, thank you for praying. Thank you for giving. Thank you for your support. Yeah, thanks, Kurt. Uh, Sam and, and Prima, thank you for the shirt. Hallelujah. Love it. Hallelujah. Uh, always nice to find something my size. Uh, let's go to John 15, verse 16. A great verse there. I want to just talk about doors of opportunity. You didn't choose me. I chose you. So God chose you. God picked you. God ordained you, anointed you, appointed you that you should go bear fruit. Your fruit should remain Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he would give it to you. I believe God places us. I believe we're placed for such a time as this. We're in this world right now. This is our time. Some have already gone on to glory, and their time is finished. But it's our time right now. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's our time. This is our time. It's our time to shine. It's our time to be active in the Father's business. And so uh, sometimes we're waiting, waiting, waiting. But, but he's already given us scriptures to move ahead. He's already given us the scriptures to do things. So he'll set us in situations. He'll set you in situations. Maybe things you didn't plan. But he'll put you in a spot where you can bloom for his glory. Where you can testify for his glory. Now you should write down, uh, write down these words. Three words. You should go. Write those words down. You should go. You shall go. What does that mean? Requires action, requires obedience. That's that's what's necessary. So, uh, in order for fruit to remain, you have to go. In order for fruit to remain, you have to do something. So, and and also remember that Jesus said, "These signs shall follow them that believe." So we're not following the fruit. The fruit follows us, and so it's a process afterwards where where you hear things happening and so forth. People's lives touched, but our part is to go to do, be obedient, and so forth. Then, of course, you're sowing the word. The word doesn't return void. Fruit, you bear fruit. The fruit will remain. It'll it'll continue to exist long after you're there. Okay, it'll continue to do something long after you're there. So even a farmer knows he plants plants the seed, the field and so forth, but he's not constantly staring at the seed. He goes and does other things now. He's busy doing other things knowing that, that something is happening there with that seed. It's going to produce. It's going to sprout. It's going to grow. It's going to ultimately produce a crop. And so our part isn't to monitor the crop so much. Our part is to be obedient to the Lord. Amen? 
I think a lot of times we become discouraged because we don't see the fruit we think we're supposed to see. And therefore, we make a conclusion that either God didn't send us or it didn't work. And that's not true. If we're doing something in his name, if we're doing it according to the word of God, with the word of God, there will be fruit. Amen. So even even if you didn't see it, we don't know what's going on in the in the in the ears of people that hear it. All right. So it look, it may look like nothing's happening when it's down inside something's stirring. That's that's with me when I got saved. You know, I heard things about the gospel. Something was stirring on the inside. It didn't look like it, but something was stirring on the inside. The seed was planted. It got fertilized by the Holy Ghost, and and something began to grow. Now. What does God want us to do when we go? He'll challenge your comfort zones. Write down comfort zones. And with comfort zones, write down border bullies while you're at it. Everything is not easy, all right? It's not, it's a challenge to, to the things that we think are normal. Your normal is not somebody else's normal. So, so the things that when we challenge our comfort zone, what happens is the enemy wants to hold us back with fears because maybe it's something we've never done before. We always say, when is the last time you did something for the first time? When is the last time you did something that you never did before? It's kind of exciting. <laughs> kind of exciting. You know, you're stepping out and you're like, well, I'm just going to trust you, Lord. Well, it's, it's exciting. You step up and you... And you think, okay, thank you, Jesus, and see what happens. And most of the time, all the fears that you maybe had built up in your mind never materialize at all. Amen. Nothing materializes. Nothing happens. Amen. See, it's just, it's just the lies of the devil. The, 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 the tactics of the enemy is to use lying. He's the father of lies. So when we know the truth of the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God propels me forward. To say, you will never leave me nor forsake me. You are my shield. You are my strength. You know, all these things he tells me who I am. Even, even when we're some other place, someone can look at us and think, wow, they're old people. <laughs> well, on the one hand, we are. We're older. But on the other hand, he renews your youth like the eagles. You can, you can act as old or young as you want. I would just say, if you're old, don't act old. Amen? Don't act old. Don't, don't act like... I, I, we use it as a testimony. We use it as a testimony and say, we're going to follow Jesus. We're 70 years old, married 47 years. We're going to keep following Jesus. And people are like, wow. And these kids, kids love that. <laughs> you know, they love that because they, they love seeing someone step out in faith. So, so your comfort, our comfort zones are challenged. Uh, 2 Corinthians 7 verse 5 says, indeed, we, were in, we came to Macedonia. Our bodies had no rest. We were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts. Inside were fears. So, is it tiring? Yes. Very tiring. But you plan for that. You prepare mentally for that. We prepare mentally to sit in a seat. So, which sounds funny because, oh, you're just sitting there. That's a long time to sit there. So, we prepare ourselves mentally to do things, all right? And, and so, so uh, body might not have rest for, for a while. You'll get rest. And then there might be trouble, different areas. And then there might be things going on outside in the realm. And inside, fears, or we could just say insecurities, all right? So, again, what's challenged? Our flesh is challenged. To travel someplace, say, for 40 hours, your flesh is challenged. 
There's no way around that. Your flesh is challenged. It's not like, oh, no problem at all. No, your flesh is challenged, especially when you know you're going to be someplace and you don't have time to rest. You go do something right away. So your flesh is, is challenged in those, in those circumstances. Then you get to some place and then you come out in traffic. Traffic like maybe some of you have seen, others of you have not seen. That is not, does not look organized. Does not follow the lines on the road. Does not seem orderly. And is very loud. So in some places, it is, it is uh, courtesy to use the horn. In other places like the United States, that will elicit road rage. You use the horn. I haven't used my horn in years, you know. Uh, you know, so, so, so for that, for someone else, it's courtesy. Use your horn. That, that, that. And someone else goes, that, that, that. I hear you come, that, 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 that. You know, just talking. And that's how it is in trucks and buses. And everybody else has their little deal going. So it's very chaotic and so forth. Very outside of our norm. However, if, if you know you're standing there as well, you can be, can be there in the car rocking back and forth. Total peace. Total peace. In, in spite of being bombarded, your senses, your eyes, your ear gates, your smell, everything is bombarded by something that says this is different. But just the same, it's okay. Now, you sit down. Jesus actually said, when, when talking to the 70 and so forth, when, they, when you sit down, eat what's set before you. Uh, I won't get asked for a show of hands, but people, a lot of people become picky eaters, you know. There's a lot of people that want to, we don't minister leaders who want to complain, they go to a restaurant, I want it this way, and very picky on how they eat, and I just think you'll never make it in the mission field. You'll never go. You won't make it one day. Because there isn't anything you're going to change. There's nothing you're going to do to make it Western. There is no Western. It is what it is. So you take what's set before you and you thank God for it. Again, three things. So long as it's cooked, peeled, or boiled, hallelujah, you can eat it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can eat it. Tell them, doesn't matter what it looks like. No matter what it looks like, you can eat it. Now remember, that's, see, our normal, people say, well, that isn't normal. That's your normal. For some of you that have come from the other countries here in the church, God bless you for coming to the United States. But when you first came to the United States, for most of you probably, you didn't like U.S. food. It, it was like, oof, you know, it's U.S. food. It's not, it's not like food from back home. It's different. We brought somebody one time, they, got, they just got here, and they said, let's go to the pizza ranch. And they're at the pizza ranch, and, and they were just like, they weren't interested. They weren't interested in the pizza, weren't interested in the salad, picked around for a few things. It was different to them. Now, to us, it's like, how could you not like that? You know, but to them, no, it wasn't. It was new. It was different. It was not likable. They had to acquire a taste for it. I can go places now and I can eat with anybody. I've acquired tastes for food. I just have to make sure I don't eat too much, you know. But I've acquired tastes for different kinds of rice and flavors and so forth like that. And it's really quite wonderful. It's amazing how God gave us taste buds. Americans, Americans know, know two things, salt and pepper. Sure. You know, and so, and so, of course, salt isn't good for you, so we're trying to avoid that anyway. But there's, there's lots, you know, there's just lots of flavor that's in food and so forth. So you learn to adjust, right? So we, our flesh is challenged, all right? Uh, we have language barriers. You go someplace, you're trying to talk, they can't understand. 
And you do your best to convey what you want or hopefully what people with us to interpret what is necessary to be said. All that takes a challenge. I'm sharing a message. You know, to be here just to stand and talk in our language is, is fun and easy. And otherwise, you have to plan how you're talking, how much you say and different things. Even analogies. There's things that don't work in other places. Or people tell jokes. Forget jokes. Don't say jokes. It's not going to work. You know, you, you can't. You have to think about who you're with as far as what you say and how you say it. Customs are different. So how you do one thing or another is very important. Whether you shake a hand or you don't shake a hand, whether you hug or you don't hug, or what kind of clothes you wear, clothes you wear is very important. Jeannie always is very sensitive to wear the right clothes and stuff. So we've learned uh, those things. Write this down. Everything you want, or most things that you want, is on the other side of fear. In other words, you have to walk through doors that are uncomfortable. You have to push through the circumstances of life and, and to achieve what you want to achieve. Isn't that right? I mean, let's face it. Let's face it. If ministry was easy, everybody would do it. If missions was easy, everybody would do it. But less and less people are doing missions. Less and less people are going places, doing things. Uh, more people are probably self-absorbed in our society than ever before. Even thinking about serving at places, a soup kitchen or something like that. Less and less people are doing things in our society. Because they're uncomfortable. But you have to push through things. You have to push through things. Most ministry is not easy. It's not easy. It's challenging. So you go through things, and you might be someplace, and you might stand for five hours straight, and you're just with intensity. There are no prayer lines. There's just a prayer crowd and people around you. And from young to old, oh, I saw this old man. We were at a place, and this old man, he had this uh, special hat on, Long gray beard, robe, had a staff, and he came for prayer, and he got down on his knees. And as he got in front of me, and as he got down, he's moaning, pain. I, was, I, I said, no, 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 don't get down. He couldn't understand me. He finally gets down on the ground, and he's, he's sitting on the ground, you know, with his legs folded and so forth. And everybody just, let, of course, let him do that. Prayed for him. He was thankful. He was appreciated. And we had to get him up. Painful. Got him up, prayed. But then he was thankful just for, for the blessing. Felt the love of God. And, uh, uh, you know, there's a, th- a lot of things... There's Bible things still happening today. Did you know that? There's Bible things happening in your life. You're, you're, walking, you're a walking example in the New Testament. And the book of Acts is still being written in your life. 
I don't want you to think, oh, that was a great story, and oh, God is using people way out there. No, God is using you and I. This is Brookings, South Dakota, where we're at today, wherever you're at in the, in the world. We're in South Dakota, the United States, where it's very cold and it's snowy. Incidentally, someone said, one pastor said, I love snow, and I'm thinking, no, you don't. Because <laughs> they've never seen snow. They have no concept of snow. It never gets cold. It was their winter in 84. Yikes. And they had a stocking cap on. So, so but you're, you're in that New Testament right now. And so you're going to face things that are going to feel uncomfortable, but step out. Turn to your neighbor and say, step out. And I'm not talking about being a street preacher. I'm just talking about people at your work or people you know to step out to say, Jesus Christ loves you. Now, how hard is this? How many words? Are Jesus Christ loves you. Four words. There's a message right there. A message that will push us back darkness, let me tell you. Pushes back the darkness, that name above all names, to say that and to say that somebody, to look them at, not being shy, yeah, Jesus Christ loves you. No, to look them in the eye and say, Jesus Christ loves you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Second Corinthians twelve fifteen says, I will gladly spend and be spent. So we, we uh, spend... We spend ourselves physically, we spend ourselves financially, we spend ourselves spiritually. Uh, you might get exhausted, but you can always rest. Okay. Turn to your neighbor and say, take a nap later. <laughs> take a nap later. And what you're doing, you take a nap later, is you're just getting ready for the next service. You're getting ready for the next meeting and so forth like that. But, but we, spend in, we spend in, we are spent for what? For souls. That's the whole purpose. It's all about souls. It's all about reaching others and helping others. Let me just say this now. There are people, the people in this world who've never heard about Jesus. We were someplace the other day, and the waitress talked about, uh, I'll just say the restaurant. She was just talking about, she served the gods of the Olive Garden. And we're thinking... What on earth is this? Young lady, she's praised to the gods of the Olive Garden. The United States has dipped. This didn't happen overnight. This didn't happen in the last 10 years. This has been a decline for decades, of course. But less and less people go to church. Less and less people hear about Jesus at all. So how are they going to hear unless they see you? Unless they see your life and hear you say something about Jesus. Otherwise, to a lot of people, he's an historical figure, just, just from someone from history. But to see somebody who loves Jesus Christ, who loves Jesus, and expresses that, is powerful. Because, because why? Because we've got people believing all kinds of weird things in the world. Someone can talk about some country and the gods they have there. The United States has just as many gods. Whatever you worship, whatever you follow, whatever, whoever you talk to, that becomes your God. And so, so we have this opportunity in front of us. Amen? So we go to 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16, 8 and 9, says, says in Ephesus, he's going to stay there in Ephesus, a wide door, another version says great door, a wide door for effective service has opened to me. It's open. There's, there's an open door in Ephesus. Very promising opportunity. 
But notice he says there are many adversaries. So our focus can't be the adversaries. The focus has to be the wide door of opportunity. Yes, there might be things to be careful of. Very true. There's things to be wise. Be wise. Um, So that you stay where you're supposed to stay. All right? So a wide door. Effective service is open. It's already open. It's right there. Now, he hasn't walked through it yet, but it says there are many adversaries. Now, when a door opens, then we have a choice. Am I going to walk through it or not? If I walk through it, there can be lasting effects for the kingdom of God. Lasting effects that can be there long after we're here. Remember, as people, when we, when we all, we're all going to, if Jesus doesn't come back, we're all going to leave this earth at some time. When we leave this earth, we're going to have some sort of legacy. Hopefully, the legacy is, boy, Papa really loved Jesus. <laughs> Papa really loved the Lord. They, they would pray, Papa and Nani would pray this and that. Hopefully, they're saying something about you that is spiritual. Because that's a lasting effect. Lasting effect. That's one of the best things that can happen. You know, it's better than say, boy, they could sure cook up a great uh, lasagna. Okay, that's nice. But what about Jesus? What about Jesus, that lasting, the one who impacts life? It's like when we had the funeral here, Dave Spolum's funeral. All these people got up and started talking about how he impacted their life. And all he did was live his life in a schoolroom. He loved people. They knew he loved Jesus. He plants seeds. And one by one, all these people from all different backgrounds testifying of that impact. Now, you have an impact. We all have an impact. Everybody does. See, you can't look at me and say, well, Pastor Dave has an impact. No, you have an impact. Everybody does. Everybody has people, a sphere around them, of people they see, they connect with. It could be at the gas station, but people that know you, you have an impact. And your life is speaking something. Either, either we're trying to keep him covered up, Jesus, this earthen vessel, the treasure, an earthen vessel covered up and hidden, or we're trying to let him out for people to see. See, I want, I want to be more conscious to let him out. I, I, I'm sad to say there's times that I didn't share the gospel when I should have. Sad to say when I didn't say something when I should have. Sad to say, maybe I had a wrong attitude when I should have had a right attitude. Okay? Thank God for grace. The thing is, is thing is, we can keep improving in our life, knowing that this, what we do right now, is impacting not only your future, but somebody else's. It's impacting their future. There's a, a door open. It's already opened, all right, for effective service. Now, I think, I think we all have open doors. I really do. I think we all have open doors. You don't have to go some other, some other place or even to another nation, right in front of us are open doors. Are there adversaries? Sure there are. Of course there are. (laughs) You know, one one word I think in the Chinese language was danger and opportunity when it talked about these things. It's an opportunity. Could be some danger. That's okay. Is that right? When Jeannie took Bibles to Russia in 1974, she's a college student at SDSU. She's finishing up her studies. She's invited on this team. They go to the streets of New York. They preach in the streets of New York for three weeks. They get their visas from Russia, 1974. And they leave and they take Bibles, Russian Bibles in New York. They got what 
the American Bible Society had. They took them all, put them in bags, and she has this bag. She had one case, but then her bag, 50 pounds of Bibles. And they have a visa into Russia, a tourist visa into Russia. And they're on a tour with other people. And so her and a number of other people from this area on the plane, they stop in Germany, then they go into Russia, land in Moscow. She's been to Kiev preaching. So when you hear Kiev in the, in the news, she's been to Kiev. She's been to those places around the Black Sea in person. So when we watch the news, like, I've been there, I've been to that place, and so forth. And when they landed at the Moscow airport, and, and you have communist authorities. Now, again, the Bible is banned. It's an illegal book. Christianity is banned. Christians are not allowed. That's why they meet underground and so forth like that. Underground means in a private home service. Many people in other countries are doing this. And so when they land, the officials are not only going through their suitcases, taking stuff out, they're taking razor blades and slitting the linings of the suitcases and looking behind the linings. So they're very gruff and so forth. And she's standing in line, and others are in different lines, but she's standing in line waiting for her turn. When her turn comes, she puts up her passport. She's got a visa. She hoists her, her cases case onto the belt. All they have to do is open it. Now, understand, it's a jumbo jet, and out of all the people in the jumbo jet, only hers and somebody else's are not even searched. And the official looks at her passport and her and so forth, stamps it and so forth. I, I don't know how they push it aside. She hoists it up again, walks away with Russian Bibles that were illegal, blinded their eyes. And, and someone actually came up to her and said, I thought we were supposed to get checked. And some of the, shh, don't say anything. We just did get checked. You know, that's a young person doing that. That's a person that was 21 doing that. You don't want to be young and then old and then think, I've never done anything. I don't want to do anything. No, let's keep trying. We, we, we went to the communist embassy in, in Hong Kong and were interviewed separately by communist agents because me and a couple other guys who were SDSU graduates, who were Christians, spiritual Christians, were trying to get into China. This is 1975. And the agents were cross-examining things and, of course, then comparing the interviews and so forth. Now, the only one who had been to China at that point under communism was Richard Nixon. And so we, our plan was to get a visa, take the train across the bridge in Hong Kong and bring Bibles the southern part of China, to Chinese believers. And, and uh, so anyway, we were there, and, and the embassy rejected all of us. No, no, not, not getting in. You know, so we, we just spent some time in Hong Kong preaching the gospel there. But we tried. Knocked on a door. It didn't open. All right, go to another door. Right? Go to another door. Sow some seed with somebody. You think, well, they didn't respond. Okay, sow some seed with somebody else. Get on social media, you're planning to see. They didn't even respond, or maybe they're angry. Okay, go to somebody else. Jesus always said that. If they don't receive you, go to the next house. Go to the next thing. If they don't receive your peace, that's all right. Go back and go to somebody else. Turn to your neighbor and say, do something else. Just go out, just go out and do something else. So there's doors of opportunity. Acts 14, Acts 14, 26 through 27. So, so they sailed to Antioch. Commended the grace of God. 
They completed their work, and they came and they gathered the church together. They reported all that God had done with them, and that he had opened the door of faith. He opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So I believe there's many steps of faith that result in a door of faith. So they traveled, they traveled, they did missionary journeys, they were doing all kinds of things. There were steps of faith that brought a door of faith to other people. A door of faith that someone said, I I believe, I put my trust in Jesus. Oh, wow. Recently, we saw someone like this, and the door of faith in their eyes are open. I think, oh, Lord, it's the most beautiful thing. So, But it takes... Many times, steps of faith for the door of faith to open. So, like I've said before, but when I got back, before, after my mother passed away and so forth, one of my brothers said, hey, this is a letter you're going to want. And it was a letter I wrote to them when I was in Asia in 1975, telling them why I was there. They thought I was nuts. <laughs> and sharing the gospel and why Jesus loved them, and my mother saved it. So through the years of criticism, yet she saved that letter. It's a seed planted. And eventually, eventually she got saved, you know, late in life. You know, so you don't know. We don't know what's going on in people's hearts. You could be saying something. They could look, they could look mean or angry or so forth like that. And then again, they might be totally open. Is that right? We saw, we'd see people. We'd see people that might, you might think, boy, they're really grumpy. And then you smile and wave and they go, they smile and wave. It's just interesting. Incidentally, I should say this, when you talk about racism and so forth, I was recently at a place and I was going to take a taxi and a taxi from this hotel. And uh, uh, so it was the hotel taxi. And I said, so you're providing, you're providing the taxi driver and so forth. Yes, you're providing. He's, he's coming. And then this guy said, he's a black man. He's a black man. I thought, aren't you all black? <laughs> you know? No, he was blacker. And they called him a black man. And I thought, oh, isn't that interesting? So I'm talking to people who are all black, dark skin. Now, this man comes out, very nice guy, very friendly guy, tipped him well. We tried to talk as much as we could through the language barrier. But anyway, but they referred to him as a black man. There's cultural things all over. Racism, racism is a demonic thing. It's not an American thing. It's a demonic thing that happens all over, how people might treat someone else. But anyway, Paul says, he said, the, the Lord opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Quickly, one of the verse. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 2, uh, 12 and 14. But furthermore, I came from Tetros to preach Christ's gospel. A door, open, a door was opened to me. Now, this is interesting. So a door, one door, a door is an opportunity. It's like opportunity knocks. Here's an opportunity. A door is like an opportunity. And a door usually leads to more doors. So you came indoors, came in the door to get into this place, walked into the foyer. Then you walked through doors to get in the sanctuary. So doors lead to more doors. But if I don't go through the first door, I'll never get through other doors. Turn to your neighbor and say, keep walking. <laughs> keep walking. Keep walking forward. A doors, notice what it is. It's, it's already happened. A doors was opened to me by the Lord. 
but he had to walk through the door. I, I know there's times that maybe uh, I've disappointed the Lord, and, and but you've got to understand for grace, hallelujah. It's like, and you realize, oh, I should have did this. And I said, that's, that's, we'll get it now. We'll do it again. Okay? Just, you know, it's not like you, you've missed everything. You're, you're not missing everything, but a door is open. So when he came to preach, the door opened. Then he had to walk through the door. The door is an entrance. The door is a passageway to another place. So it's a passageway to another place. Door opens on the airline. When we walk on a plane, on a big plane, any plane, we put our hand as we're walking into the plane with some hand baggage. We put our hand on the plane, the fuselage itself, thanking God for his blessing as we walk in. And we walk through a door, which leads to our seat. But then when we land, we walk out the door into something totally different. It's a passageway into another place. So I believe that God is giving us many doors, doors of opportunity. This is our time. There's no place like the United States. We have freedoms. We have freedoms. You could, you, in other countries, you could be someplace and say, oh, I'm going to tell the police. They're on the other side. <laughs> Won't do any good to tell the police. I'll tell the government. No, they're on the other side too. Won't do any good to tell the government. But in the United States, we, we have a lot of freedoms. I understand we have places to grow. True. But we have freedom to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Freedom on the internet. Freedom in the airwaves to say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Freedom to tell people any place that Jesus loves them. We can go to the campus of SDSU. It can be in the student union to say, Jesus loves you. It's a wonderful thing. You have that freedom. In the United States, it's a right you have that right to speak that way. So I believe he's given us doors of opportunities open to us by the Lord. All of us are different. All of us are in different places. For some of you, it might be with your family today. It might be something on a text message or so forth. But doors are open. And you can use those doors for God's glory. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're anointed to do this. You're empowered to do this. Hallelujah. So let's lift our hands here. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these doors. Thank you for these opportunities. Thank you for this day in which we live. Thank you that this gospel of Jesus Christ is going around the world to every nation. Lord, that there are no closed doors. There are open doors, as Brother Andrew always said. There's open doors everywhere. Lord, we thank you for uh, this revelation. And Lord, that you're using us right here in our locality where we live, using us with our families and friends and jobs, neighbors, people around us, using our smile. Lord, thank you for four simple words. Jesus Christ loves you. Lord, thank you for power in that name, victory in that name, anointing in that name. Thank you for what you're doing today by your spirit, by your spirit. Father, I just give you praise for this. I give you praise for this. I thank you. You're raising up people here and many people hearing us in a great, great way that there's a mighty end time army happening, Lord. Army of believers. Army that brings good. Not destruction, but blessing. And Lord, I thank you for doing these great things today. Lord, thank you for helping. I rebuke fears that come up that hold people back in Jesus' name. Fears, you stay away. We resist fear 
And we embrace your love, Lord, that pushes out all fear. And we thank you, Jesus, for your touch right now. We thank you for your touch in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me just say this. Uh, when I was in Asia, I, I met a guy named Brother Andrew, who was a guy, he was a Dutch man from the Netherlands, who had a ministry called Open Doors. So I personally met him, met him in this meeting. The meeting was all Asians, except for me and a couple other people that were there from Sioux Falls. And, uh, but Chinese were volunteering to go across, knowing that if they got caught, they'd never come back. They'd be there the rest of their life. We could get kicked out, American visa, ah, American go home. But for them, different story. So I met Brother Andrew who risked his life around the world, entire life. I think he's still alive in his 90s. Took the gospel even in the Islamic countries. Very powerful story. But uh, God is doing these things today. Okay, let's stand up. Just close your eyes. Just stand, stand with me. Close your eyes. I pray the love of the Father, the tenderness of Jesus Christ, his Son, the presence of the Holy Spirit. I pray that he would gladden your heart, bring you peace to your soul this day, every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Bless you. In Jesus' name. Greet somebody around you. Yeah, bless him. Tonight will be a good night. This week will be good. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylifeatbrookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.